0: Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Al Bastiat Cruel Dubai.
1: It was in 1988 that my next guest won the derby. He's grimacing alongside me. <laughs> aboard Kayazi. For His Highness the Aga Khan, the third Aga Khan-owned winner of the Derby in that decade. He is, of course, Ray Cochrane, but a, a life and career that encompasses so much more than that. But it's always that day, isn't it? It's always that day that you're going to be remembered for. Highlight of your life, really, isn't it? You know, Highlight of your
0: life. You come into the sport and you want to go to the top, and you, your dream, as everyone's dream in, in uh, racing, is to win a Derby or an Oaks or a Guineas, but the Derby is the one, you know, and I was just lucky to get on Kaazi at the right time and... We won two derbies, the English,
1: Irish, English and Irish Derby is fantastic, the course. Know? And I mean, you you watch the race every year. You look at the race yesterday. When you watch the the shape of it, the makeup of it the way that it unfolds, it strikes me that no matter who the characters are, no matter who the personalities are, no matter how the breed might change, there's something about it that remains very much a constant.
0: It's, it's a very, very, very special race. Epsom on Derby Day is a special place to go. Even if you don't ride in the race, if you ride in the, uh, the smaller races on the car, the supporting races, it's still special to be there because the atmosphere is fantastic.
1: Fantastic. Uh, and what are, in terms of from a jockey's point of view, actually riding in the race itself—what is so different about that?
0: Well, everybody wants to win for a start,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in in the in the weighing room, in the weigh that room, might be the best you know, answer yeah, we've yeah. ever had.
0: In the weigh room, uh, always, when you go there on the on the morning, some of the jocks will go out, and well, most of the jocks should go out and walk the track if they weren't there the previous day, and the atmosphere is different atmosphere is different. The, the quiet ones will be chatting and the ones that do make all the noise will be all of a sudden they'll be quiet. You know? That's the sort of thing that happens because they're thinking about what's going to happen, what's going to go on, how things are going to pan out, what they're going to be told to do by different all sorts of different people. You know? So they've got to an analyse all these variables and try and keep a lid on everything to keep themselves
1: organised mm. so they can go out and do a good job. When you went out to ride Karsy, what had been preoccupying you on that morning?
0: Oh, that morning, I nothing. Well, I'd make sure that I knew that my trainer was a great trainer. Luca was a great, great trainer. And I knew he'd have him there spot on on the day, and I knew that the horse was a special little horse. So what I didn't want to do was make sure I was the, going to be the weakest link in the chain. Because I think it was my first. I think it was my first Derby ride. So you're the,
1: you're the you're the chocolate hoops, aren't you, on the, yeah, second, yeah, the, the uh, second colours? Yeah, second chef, star, colours. chef
0: star on the outside, the grey, and he's just uh, making a nice move, and uh, you know, he, I knew here, I'd, unless somebody came from behind me, I would win, because I knew one thing he would do, he'd stay well, and he'd stick his head out if anybody came to battle with him. That's Lucas' other horse, Kiefer, in the yellow, shake out his colours, uh, I think he finished fourth in the end. But he was a great little horse. You know, one thing he always did was battle and he stick his head out, as he showed in the Aris Derby. It was a great race there too. And uh, Mikey on the inside, who I've known since he was nine, Michael Hills. So I was apprenticed to his dad. But I, didn't sh- I didn't wave or anything because I thought, oh, Mike might not like that.
1: <laughs> and he was a very young Michael Hills. Yes, then, wasn't he, he was.
0: He was indeed. Yeah, he was indeed. But it was a great day. And really, it didn't actually sink in until maybe two hours after the race. Uh, we, we came in by chopper because it was very busy on the roads. You don't go in there or drive if you can do without it. On that day, you don't want no hiccups. And um, there was a mile-and-a-half handicap later in the day, and we were up waiting for the choppers you know, to get organised, and the, the mile-and-a-half handicap came round, and we were still right at the top of the hill by the 7th row gate. And I was just stood there. On my, I was just stood on my own, and I went, I have won the Derby. <laughs> I have won the Derby and that's when it sunk in sort of thing, you know.
1: And as I say, we're here however many, many years later, 35 years later. <laughs> it was a long time to me, it was a long, long time. Well it is a 35 years, a hell of a long time, you know. It was a great day, it was a great day. And Kazi may not even have been, I'm sure he wasn't the most naturally brilliant and talented horse that you rode, but he is probably the most
0: special one. Oh he is, oh yes, he is indeed,
1: you know. Uh, he
0: was uh, you say, a special little horse which he showed how tough he was in the Irish Derby because he had to throw everything in that day to win got knocked over down the back and had a bit of trouble in running turning in got knocked into but uh, he stuck his head out
1: and, uh, a bit Quinny a short head. The one thing that strikes me about you is that you, you've always been a a great reader of people and the way that they they interact with the, with the sport and your career and your life has intersected with people who have a little mystique about them obviously we know about your relationship with frankie but going way back before then you talk about barry hills and luca kumani people with extraordinary charisma in their very different ways and fred winter uh, well let me start and fred with winter. fred winter and fred winter let me start with fred winter yeah um uh,
0: i come out of my time with barry and i was i was heavy because i had a couple of accidents and uh my first ride over hurdles one for duncan sass one lock Head at newton abbott and um Things were, no, I, I was a struggling jump jockey. I was heavy on the flat; couldn't ride on the flat. And
1: uh, but you'd ridden a bit on the flat, hadn't you? Oh, yeah, that? I'd and ridden yeah. Uh,
0: twenty-five winners, I think, on the flat. Mm. You know, but then I had an accident <laughs> there too. I had an accident, which made it, I was laid about and put on weight because when you're up to about twenty-six, you're still uh, growing and developing. You know, so I put on weight, and I thought, well, ride right over hurdle, I go. Well, I always planned to be a, a jump jockey. That was my plan uh, all my life: riding the Grand National, mm-hmm. and then. Um, I rode over hurdles, uh, one lock head one at Newton Abbott. And then uh, I thought, well, I'm struggling for rides here. Why don't I actually get a job in ra- in jump racing? And then uh, maybe I'll learn a lot more for- off that and uh, maybe go from there. So I thought, well, I'm in Lambourn. Well, I'll go and ask the best, Fred Winter.
1: And so this is what year would this have been roughly? Oh, sort I couldn't, of, oh seven,
0: late seventies, you know, you
1: know, right, late seventies,
0: early eighties. Yeah. I should think you know.
1: So Frankham's in his absolute. Oh, pop peak. Oh, pop oh Johnny the, was first time. jockey.
0: Uh, James Guest was uh, second jockey. Nicky Henderson was assistant trainer, amateur. And we had the best staff. Brian Delaney, head man, with the best staff in the world. Brian Delaney was the best headman in the world. It was the most fun. When he said to me, "Yes, you can come and work here." That's it. Work. You're not going to do anything. That you're just going to work. That's mm. it. said, smashing, smashing. Thank you very much indeed. I was so pleased to be working for the Fred Winter.
1: But was at that time would it have been really quite competitive? Would you have had to have been, you know, approved to get into to Fred Winter's? Well, it was that sought uh, after. Somebody must have said something somewhere, yeah.
0: or maybe he spoke to Barry or something like that. There or
1: yeah, but um, you'd been at Barry Hills. You'd written winners. Oh, so yeah, you yeah. Were, well, you were...
0: I, I don't know if he knew me or not. But he knew my father-in-law, mm-hmm. so maybe Johnny said something, I don't know, but I was very pleased to get the job there, and uh, as far as I was concerned, it was the best job I ever had. Really? Ever, yeah. I, I loved it. It was never a morning that I got up, and I didn't want to go to work, no matter what. We walked it, When well, me and Anne walked it from uh, up the top of the hill there, uh, where um Hamdam as you we'd take our own train. We walked it from all the way from there one morning to all the way down to Landmore, there was so much snow about. I thought, well, I'm going in, I have to go in and go get my horses or Freds, you know. And we walked all the way down there.
1: And what made it so special? It was a
0: special place. It was just a special place. There was always something going on. You could watch horses schooling. There was good horses. There was Rodman. There was Midnight Court. Old Sonny Summers had won so many races. I got on a real nice horse called Stops. Fred let me ride. It was a bit of a tear away. But um, it was a special place to be every day. There was always something...
1: New going on, well, to me it was anyway. You know, to me, I loved it. I absolutely loved going there, so I did. And isn't it, isn't it the case? You, you know, you have those times in your life, don't you? That you can't quite put your finger on why, but it's the combination of the people, the experiences, your age, yeah. your outlook, and it all just clicks.
0: Yes, and the horses too. The ho- we had some fantastic horses there too. You know, some fantastic horses. It was a great place. It was a great e-
1: place. Eve, can you can you recall a period where where you felt everything was everything was contributing to sort of just your general happiness and well-being you know what i mean when you're kind of in a certain period of your life
2: yeah most of my life i've been very lucky really so but i think um when i was working for john hills and we had broadway flyer and wind in her hair and we just had some really good horses and it was just all clicking everything made sense and
1: And it's just a special time in your life you're making your way in the game things are going well there's success there's people around you you like you mentioned the late john hills um, the anniversary of whose passing it was just the other day and I thought of him yesterday because of course he trained
2: Wind in half, the, dam the dam of Deep Impact, Deep
1: Impact. yeah that's a, it's amazing yeah, how that we really,
2: we really miss him he was an amazing character John
1: you, but just for those, those who, who don't remember John Hills Barry's eldest son um, just, just tell us a bit about him
2: so he um, when Barry moved to Manton uh, John stayed and trained at South Bank. Mm -hmm. And then when Barry came back to South Bank, John went up uh, uh, up and trained up the Folly Road. And I joined him in 19, I can't remember, 90-something or other. And I went there, and he was the best fun. I mean, sometimes we were flying by the seat of our pants, but he was the eternal optimist. And he had a laugh like Muttley. (laughs) 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 That's what he used to get. And he was just the best person I worked for. I
1: love working for John. It's really good fun. And he, he would have been pretty thrilled at that little part that, that he'd played in in this amazing dynasty that Deep mm. Impact has Absolutely. has produced, I'm Absolutely. sure. And Ray, you were you were obviously with, with Barry Hills prior to the, the time at, at Fred Winters. Um as as formidable a, a character as as everyone presumes. Oh yes. Every bit of it. Every bit of it.
0: Every bit of it. Um uh, one well after I arrived, I was only fourteen. After I arrived, I lived down in the digs in the village and uh, had to walk up past Barry's kitchen every day. I, but anyway, one day I was late. And I was sort of thinking, "Don't look in the window. If he's sitting in there, you're going to get some abuse. I'm <laughs> fearful. Don't look in the window." So I'm walking up there. This is about quarter past seven, so I'm walking. You know what he's like, Eve. You know what he's, she knows what he's like. So I walked up there, and the next thing you know, I walked by him, and I could hear him hammering <laughs> on the window. <laughs> I'm up the stairs, I'm up into the car park, and I can still hear him hammering <laughs> on the window, and he's more like, oh. you know, oh, Eve, give it to you begin with, oh, yeah. It's tough, very tough, but fair, fair enough, you know, fair enough. But uh, whenever I was there uh, a while, and I say maybe t- three years, I knew I didn't want to be a stable lad. I you know, I would come here to be a jockey. Mm-hmm. And as far as I was concerned, you know, I was riding well enough and I used to ride a lot of work with Willie Carson. A lot of work with Edward Hyde, Bob Street, Ernie Johnson. Barry put me on lots of good work. And I thought well if I can and I wrote all the rough ones. Well all majority of them. And um, Did you enjoy
1: that? Loved it, yeah, I loved what, it. Well, the harder the better.
0: Oh yeah, it didn't bother me at all. I was young and stupid and daft then, mm-hmm. so I was, you know. And um I thought, now, none of these other kids, oh, the only one who got a right I think, was Jeff Snook. And uh, Kevin Mooney was just about to move to uh, Folk Warwins mm-hmm. And I thought, now, I'm not going to get stepped on here by somebody else. You know, way, it was eight apprentices in the yard. And I thought, now, I've got to go in here. and stick up for myself. Which, for a kid of 16-year-old, who was quite shy and didn't say a lot, was a big thing. Yeah. A big thing to go there on a Sunday morning. I should have maybe left it till Monday. Because Sunday's a busy time, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. But I thought, get your shirt on, get dressed, get shaved, get down that office. Go in and see him. And, uh, you know, tell him, you know, this is what you want. I want to be a jockey. I don't... If I have to go somewhere else, I have to go somewhere else. Mm. You know, but I don't want to be a stable. I've come here to be a jockey. And I want to be that. So I walked around the yard all oh, about ten times. They finally plucked up courage. Come on, get in, get in, get in, go on, get in, Sam. Tapped on the door. Barrio answers the door. Yes, Ryan. Good, have a word boss. Come in. Sit down. Of course, the place is covered in papers, racing calendar everywhere, phones everywhere, Form books everywhere. And I said that boss, and I started telling him what I thought and all the rest of it, and he went, you think I do? I'll tell you what you'll do. Get out of here before I give you a swift one up the rear. Now, and I will see you in the morning. And don't be late. (laughs) So I gradually got up and walked out. He slammed the back door behind me. And I was stood there going, should I go back in and have a go back on him? (laughs) I said, no, don't, let's go So I scooted off home, and was raging that I hadn't gone back in. And had to go with him, you know. I was only 16, you know. I said, don't make a, don't make a mistake. Had, he knows what you think. Don't make another mistake. So we're riding out the following morning. We're just trotting up the flagging road by Stan Meadows, which Stan Meadows then where uh, William Muir we trains now. And he, he's just trotting, trotting along the string, telling everyone what to do. He said, "Oh, I Emin." Mean, yes, boss. Owner says you can ride Nagba. <laughs> he just trotted on, and I'm stood, I'm just trotting along. Did he say, "I'm riding Nagba." And one of the girls, Karen, behind me, said, Karen, did he say I'm riding Nagra? That's what he said. She'd already won three and been second twice. It was an arrow, an arrow. And uh, I think I won under the following week at uh, Chepstow first time up. Brilliant. And then I, I rode her 10 times, rode nine winners on her, and rode a couple of winners on something else. And I rode 11 winners that year I did 23 rides, I
1: think, you know. And you're 16? I was, I
0: was seventeen at seventeen, just going on eighteen, so
1: sort of yeah. So you flew you were flying, you were flying then? Oh yeah,
0: flying then. But then the following year the, the following season started and I rode two winners. First two rides won. And then we were educating putting some through horses through the stalls and one of them reared over on and fractured on my pelvis. That was the yeah. end of that.
1: And <laughs> then that's what, what precipitated the move to Fred Winters, Fred Winters Yeah, and got heavy in to be a the, jump jockey. Yeah, yeah. So wh- how did you come out the other side of the jumping experiment?
0: Uh, well i I knew Kim Bailey because I had spent a, a, a winter at, at uh, Fred Rymel's too mm-hmm. uh, when I was still apprenticed to Barry Clayman. there,
1: there is time. not a great that you haven't that you haven't well, come no, I've across, been about a bit I've
0: been about a bit and uh, Kim Bailey was assistant trainer so I got to know Kim lovely guy got to know know Kim and when I was at Fred's at, towards the end of the season April time Kim decided he was going to start training. So I moved to Kim's <coughs> and then uh, it wasn't really working out well for me though. There was, a, there was an amateur in the yard and I thought uh, he's going to get, he looks like he's going to be getting rides here in front of me. Kim and the amateur were very good, uh, very good pals. Nigel Twist and Davis. <laughs> so I thought I'm not having him. Nigel was a lunatic. Lovely guy, lovely guy, but he was a bit, a bit, a bit of a lunatic then. And I thought, I'm not getting sidelined here, out in the middle of nowhere, because there's nowhere else to go. So Ronnie Shader had asked me to ride Lough and Verona, so me and Ann moved to Newmarket. Oh, there was a lot more jumpers in Newmarket then, there's not many there now. But uh, then they the, the, some of the stables would run them on the flat, and they would run them on the over hurdle during the winter time. So I started picking up rides for Mick Ryan, and I had a couple for um, Bill Marshall, and it itch- went like that. And then um, Robert Street was our jockey. I was uh, stable jockey to Barry too, or mm-hmm. of stable jockey to Barry after Willie, and uh, then Robert got hurt in the oaks. I had about another kick in the head, I was in hospital, come out late, and then Ron said to uh, Ryan, you know, what weight are you? I said, oh, about eight, seven. He said, uh, I don't want to run around here looking for jockeys. So he put me on a few awkward characters. And they all ran storming races, and uh, Ronnie said, right, I mean, if, you, if the owners are all right,
1: you can ride some of these.
2: <laughs> You'll do for me, son. You'll do for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and of course, Ron there then became responsible for, for training, I'm going to put my neck on the block here, maybe the best horse you rode. Chief Singer, mm. yeah, oh, he's a fantastic horse. Fantastic. Am I am I wide of the mark there or not? No, no,
0: no, no, you're not. No, he was a special horse, a very special horse. If it hadn't been for Ron Shader, Chief Singer, and Jeff Smith, I'd more than like, more than like would never have been no Kazi. Mm. You know, I, it, because if I if I had been taken off Chief Singer when he went to the two
1: thousand guineas, right. This is the July Cup. The
0: July Cup, yeah.
1: I'd give Jeff a good Smith, ride, this day. Jeff Smith's colours. We saw her again in the in the Derby yesterday. But this was his performance in the July Cup that was brilliant. Yeah. I, I always thought he'd win this
0: race. Because he had so much pace we so had, you know. I wasn't going to go around the outside, where Leicester wanted to push me to start off with. But he's in behind, committed there, and they just opened up and away he went, you know. He had a great turn of foot when they went a good gallop, a big long stride, but he had a great turn of foot.
1: Um, a very special horse? Yes, a very special horse.
0: And an absolute gentleman, too, you know, there wasn't a bad hair on him anyway, you know. He was the most lovely horse to have anything to do with.
1: And Ron Sheather himself, his career didn't go on for that much longer than this, did it?
0: A few more years, but uh, Ronnie, you know, people underestimate Ron uh, a lot, you know. Ronnie trained a group winner every year he trained. For someone who's trained sort of 30 horses, that that takes a bit of doing, you know. To give credit to him, you know, I mean, that takes a lot of doing with 30 horses. Mm.
1: You talked a, a bit about Willie Carson and what you'd learned from him at Barry Hills. Is you then really were, were riding against him when, when he again was in, in the absolute heyday of, of his career. What yeah. kind of competitor was he?
0: Fierce competitor. Fierce, very very tough competitor, Willie. I had very hard mind to beat, but I wrote so much work with Willie at Barry's and I knew that uh, I wrote, when I started, when I was sort of between 16 and 25, low, well, most of my career, I was riding with, as far as I was concerned, the best jockeys who had ever been on the planet, mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned. And the, the French jockeys, too. The top jockeys were fantastic jockeys to ride with, to be around. They were fantastic people. And I thought, if I ever want to be there with them at that sort of level where they are, I've got to watch them and learn and listen to what they say and ask questions, which I did a lot. But Willie was great for me, a great mentor for me. Although he didn't know, he wasn't telling me anything, but I was watching him all the time, especially when he wrote work. Because Willie would do things that were natural to him that other people weren't doing. And I picked up on all these things, and uh, it was a great benefit, great benefit to me.
1: I think, you know... We've talked about it on this programme a number of times, Dave. I mean, that era of riders in the in the eighties, I don't think it is rose tinted specs, isn't it? With with you know, starting from late Piggott through to Carsten and Swinburne and Starkey and Ray and uh Edry Corfin. Edry Corfin oh, Corfin yeah. and Yves Saint Martin in France and Freddie Head and all the other I mean it's it's a Gosh. cash asperson a, a great, amazing list. Of I, I think so. I think that, you know, when you look back and y- you always fight or, or maybe recognise that aspect of sepia tint and rose tinted glasses to things that happened ten, twenty, thirty years ago. But I think that's the certainly. I, I'd only just got into racing. You know, I, I was I was a student. I remember in nineteen eighty eight, Ray, when um, when you were on KRC. But um, it was I, I, that's a that's the era that I remember of just having the the most strength in depth at the top of the uh, yeah. the, the the flat jockey standings. So yeah. I, th- I th- thought it was incredible. When you moved moved on and, and carried on in Newmarket and you had your time for, for, for Luca Kumani, again, you've hit him right when he's at the at the at the very peak of his power.
0: He had some fantastic horses when I arrived there, you know, uh, uh, one on Keazi, a two-year-old at Newmarket and uh, I knew he was good. So I knew we had a very special horse there. Kiefer was pretty good too. Torjoon on the Dante, you know, we, we had some lovely horses. Then again, uh, won the Locking on him and the QE two um, half a year won the St James Palace Stakes. We had some lovely horses. We had some lovely horses. In Sconce, she won the Irish one thousand guineas. It was a great that time was he just had all them special horses, you know.
1: So what made him a good trainer?
0: A very intelligent man, uh doesn't miss anything, leaves no stone unturned and doesn't second-guess anything, nothing. And he likes everything done on the nail, full
1: stop. Total precision. Yes. And was that difficult to work with? No, not at all. Not you, were at you, all. you quite like that?
0: No, I, no, I like that. Uh, I like to think that I was a, a good professional, and uh, it was a very, very professional yard, and that was as simple as that.
1: And of course, being that good professional, good stable jockey, everybody knows now the the tale of how your life intersects with with Frankie Dottori.
0: <laughs> I thought he'd come up somewhere along the line.
1: Well, I tried to leave <laughs> it a little bit late because I
0: I seen him, the first time I have seen him, he uh, we I would come down from the top yard, he'd come up from the bottom yard, and uh, uh, he walked around the barn, walked around the side of the barn. He, he was on. Black Monday, I think. I always rode Black Monday. I think it's Black Monday because it was quiet. Didn't jump around much. And it had straw marks all over it, hadn't brushed its tail, hadn't br- sponged his face, but he sat well. You could immediately arrive his taking because he sat really nicely, so he did, you know. So Geoffrey Faber was assistant trainer. He was just walking down with me. And I said, Geoffrey, uh, who's that scrawny kid there? He said, oh, that's uh, Gianfranco franco de Torre, Sunray. He says well, and he? he said, "Oh yes, yeah. does not right well, rides well." But he said, "He's a cheeky little monkey." He said, "He's a cheeky little monkey." But he said, "Does not ride well." So um, then we got to know each other. He gradually learned to speak English, and so I was still doing the same thing, and um, we gradually started riding, work together, and uh, I just went, "I'm not going to be here long." This is not a job for the long term for me. I know I'm going to be out of here shortly. And I walked into the office, my own office one day, and my brother-in-law, Andrew, was there. I said, Andy, I says, uh, we'll be looking for a new job soon. Why's that then? you getting a sack? I said, no, but I'll be getting the push sometime along the way because this kid is going to be very good. Very, very good. He grew work with me, and I went, he doesn't need to do anything. He'll just be the way he is, and that was it. He was just so polished, you know. Even as a kid, he was polished. That was it.
1: Uh, Just pure natural, right from the the word go. Yeah, from
0: the word go, yeah. He'd ask you, if he travelled about with us a bit, he'd he'd ask you questions and if and odd things, and you'd try to give him your best advice. Uh, but the one thing about it was I, I always tried to help him. I, I didn't try to interfere with him around like that or knock him back. I always tried to make sure that i gave give him positive uh, view of what, it, what we were trying to do and what we were trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, he took it on well.
1: He obviously has has told the the story of, of the plane crash an awful lot. It's been, it's been very well documented um, since... It was millennium year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 2000. Um, a crash that, that killed the pilot uh patrick and and you and frankie were were passengers in the plane and and the the tale's well told that you you dragged yeah. him from the from the plane how much um how seismic an impact did that have on your life not just your relationship with Frankie but on your life as a whole
0: uh, for me it wasn't it wasn't a good time because uh, I'd had eighteen months of everything just going wrong uh horses breaking legs in front of me, horses falling in front of me, leathers breaking horses ducking out and I'd go out the side door and that was just the culmination of 18 months of rubbish and I remember getting out the plane, I took him out the plane and I tried to get Patrick out and my head was fried and I just walked off, I started to walk off across the heath. why is all this crap happening to me? I was just, my head was fried, totally fried and uh, it just then it was just when well, any I, I went back to the plane, and sat with him. So I did, but um, it was a serious thing at the time. It was a very serious thing at the time. because I didn't know what what was going on really. I didn't know what to do, and that was as simple as that. Although I didn't show it much, but uh, my head was just fried all together. So it was, you know.
1: How did you How did you put yourself back together?
0: took a while. Uh, obviously, whenever you're a, a professional rider, you the first thing you want to do is get back to your sport. And uh, I did. Uh, it took a wee while. But um, yeah, I think whenever you're tunnel vision as a professional, you want to get back to that. And then the other rubbish you sort of forget about, don't you? Because you're always mm. waiting for the next disaster to come along, don't aren't you? Always, yeah. yeah. So I, I think what happened was that because I had that... If I had nothing to do, if I would had nothing to do, or said I, uh, I maybe broke a leg or something... I think then you'd, you'd think a lot more about it. But when you've got a positive view to something to go at and do and earn a living, I think it just changed your your attitude sort of thing. It doesn't change your attitude. You know what's happened, but uh, it gives you a, a vision of something to go at. So you know you want to be here.
1: You don't want to be thinking about that. You want to be going that direction, you know. And, and because because there was an awful lot of coverage and because you were you were very much a a pivotal figure in... in to Tory's life, literally, in terms of dragging him out of the plane, as well as the influence that you had been beforehand and and what you did did subsequently, did that, did it sit easily with you? That the idea that that you'd you'd saved him, rescued him, that you were a hero.
0: I, I took it with a, brush of a pinch of salt, really, and didn't really bother me much. You know, I was the only one there. I was the only one who could do anything. So you got to do the best you can. Full stop.
1: You received the Queen's commendation for bravery mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Nice thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the great things you, you did for, for Frankie, you then, you then were by his side as his agent. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, he gave me the job. It was very good. For a number of years. Because uh, I, I decided to retire. And uh, I thought, oh, that's great. You'll be able to eat what you want. You'll be able to drink what you want. Smashing. You don't have to do no driving. You don't have to jog every day. Smashing. Great. And then I woke up by 2 o'clock in the evening and I went, you've got no job. You've got a massive mortgage. You owe the taxman that amount. You owe Barclays Bank that amount. And you've got no job. That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get that one done? That's a great job, wasn't it? You worked that out really, really well, didn't you? And the sweat just ran off me. The following day, Frankie offered me his job, which was... Thank God for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and did doing some, was doing something like that ever in your mind?
0: It, it, it did, really, because I, I, I asked him. When, a few years before that, Matty, is, Matty Cowan was his agent, and Matty was very sick, very, very early had cancer. And we were just in the car, t- we chatting about Matty. I was coming back from Kempton one night, and he said, uh, we chatting about Matty, I said, well, you'll be looking for an agent sometime then, Frank. He said, yeah, I will, right. I said, well... I'd love to do it if you want me to." It was just an off-the-cuff remark, you know. Because I I knew all about doing it, because I booked all my own rides until it got so busy I had to get an agent, my brother in law Andrew. But I knew all the the form, and I studied the form for days on end, and knew who to ring and how to go about it. So I knew all about that, so I thought it would be easy doing him, because I used (laughs) to be running around trying to get any nag to get on, anything at all to get on. So I knew looking after Frank would be a piece of cake. But, uh, no, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. When when he said it to me, I thought, this'll do me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you were were a great sounding board for him, weren't you, for for a lot of that period? I mean, you heard him earlier today. He's never sounded more composed, in control, kind of calm, you know. He's not always like that. No, we know that. And (laughs) we know that full well. And he would say the same thing. But you were... You were there for some extraordinary highs, but some absolutely monumental lows as well, if you can have a monumental Uh, low, but you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: I know, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he was very easy to deal with sort of thing, you know, and uh, he just said, Ray, there's the job. You know what to do, get on with it. Mm. And uh, uh, it wasn't a hard job to do because he was writing for Godolphin and they were just turning out winners winners left, right and centre, so all I did was fill in the spaces, really, you know, and it was very, very easy. Uh, But, uh, no... It's been a great. We had a great, great time together. Twenty-one years was a great time together. You know. What do you
1: think he ought to do now?
0: Well, nobody's twisting his arm to retire, are they? No one's twisting his arm. I mean, he's riding better than I think I've ever seen him ride. He's riding fantastic. He's riding at the minute. Let it happen. Just go out, and he's just letting things happen in front of him. Uh, when he has to make a, make a race and uh, make actions to make a race for himself, he does that very quickly. But at the minute, he's relaxed. And he's just going out there and let things happen for himself, you know
1: you obviously take a, not just a keen interest in in what he's doing but but it a, a still a massive interest in the in in the game as a whole do you still Does it still get you? Does it still make your blood pump as it did when you were young
0: uh, I watch the big races I watch all the big well I watch most of the big races, so sort I of think you know, but i've sort of come away from it a bit uh, i've I do a lot of cycling, which I love, and I've got a massive allotment, so really, uh, if you want to do those things, you can't be sitting in watching the television all the time, you know. Uh, Whenever I decided to retire, the the pandemic was in, and uh, I was just getting to the stage where the phone was just just starting to drive me a bit nuts, you know, I was just getting a bit sick of it, so I was, and... uh, the pandemic had been into uh, what's three weeks. Well, there was no racing for about three weeks, and uh, I decided that um, those three weeks off, there was no phones, there was no form to read, there was nobody ringing up, there was nothing, just nothing to do. So I could do all my gardening. I didn't have to be back at such and such a time to look at the declarations or what the emails or whatever was going on. Didn't have to walk about with two phones smashing. That's great. And then they started talking about the five-day declarations, and I thought. Do you really want to be going back to this? answer was a very quick no. So I rung Frankie. I said, Frank, uh, come up and see you? You see, you're retiring. I said, yes. Well done, mate. I'll see you in a minute. (laughs) That was it. That was it. Uh, So I I think uh, I've uh, come away from racing now because I've been involved with horses for over 55 years. And I just decided I want to do something different. And that was as simple as that.
1: So the cycling keeping you very busy. Now the the, the allotment that doesn't sound like your average allotment to me.
0: It's about half an acre.
1: That's an allotment. <laughs> yes, it is. That's a farm. <laughs> That's not an allotment.
0: Yeah, we grow lots of dahlias and uh, all, all kinds of vegetables. But I love it. So I love going down there. Just great for your head. Great for your head.
1: And just pure concentration on nurturing.
0: Yes, flowers. And, killing the weeds and getting rid of them, and what are those slugs doing this morning let 's have a look at them you know with great,
1: I love it, I love it found a great little cl- uh, cache of people there too you know but when you reflect on you reflect on your career in racing as a whole, do you reflect on a job well done
0: uh, I like to think so, I like to think so uh, at the end of your career you're always sort of think to yourself, well, I just wish i 'd have done that a little bit better or been there or not said that to that one you know but um On the whole, I think most people are pleased with the job I did for them, so I'll be pleased with that.